0: Hey, traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, September 29, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have a number of things on the docket today. Let's take them in the order of operation. A, we have end of the quarter going on. Tomorrow being Wednesday is the last day of the quarter. Does that mean anything definitive? Not really. It's an awareness. They can jam them up into the last day of the quarter. Nothing can happen until the last day of the quarter. And then it just is the last day of the quarter. It's an awareness. Thought I'd put it on the table. Tonight is the presidential debate. That's an interesting quandary. Got a lot of emails from traders today asking about the debate and what the market is likely to do following the debate. Personally, I don't see how the market can be impacted by the debate. Let me explain why. Here's my take on the way politics works. And not from an internal perspective, but just from a United States of America political environment perspective. As a country, we vote about 130 million times give or take. There's about 320 or 330 million people in the country. Therefore, let's call it roughly 40% of the country is going to get out and vote, give or take. The majority of those people voting on election day aren't really interested in politics all year long or for the four years preceding. That's my take. Don't have any exact science to prove that or back that up. Just garden variety. Most people don't give a damn. I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me. Just make the assumption or go with me that that is the case, that most people just don't give a damn for the large majority of the time. Therefore, who's watching the debate? The diehards are watching the debate. The diehards on the Republican side, the diehards on the Democrat side. Everybody watching the debate tonight is obviously going to vote one way or the other. But here's the next rub. If you're on one side or the other, you're tuning in to watch the debate, you're rooting for Joe Biden or you're rooting for Donald Trump. Nothing either of these gentlemen can say tonight is going to change your vote under normal garden variety conditions. No matter what Trump says, you think he did great. If you're on Biden's team, no matter what Biden says, you think he won the debate. If you're on Biden's team, you think everything Trump said was a lie. If you're on Trump's team, You think Biden doesn't have nearly all his marbles left. That's just the way it is. Nobody's going to change each other's mind. It goes with confirmation bias. However, here's the thing. If the market is up tomorrow, it's because of the debate. If the market is down tomorrow, it's because of the debate. Either way, they have an excuse no matter which way the market goes. That's not an easy concept to wrap your head around. Think about it for a while, and then we'll fast forward to Wednesday and you'll see. No matter what the market is doing, the reason is because of the debate. It's none other than a form of kabuki theater. Let's get over to the S&P daily chart. What's jumping? What's hopping off the page? First thing is, we're still up into this convergence of the moving averages. We talked about the convergence of moving averages yesterday. It's the 20 sloping down, that's the red line. The 50 running across, that's the blue line. The market ran up into the 50 yesterday. It's into the 50 today again. Can't get through the 50 period moving average. However, just going sideways, hanging out near the moving average is not necessarily a bearish position for the market to be in. What's on the other side? We have a gap left open from Friday's close. Where is that? Well, it's pretty obvious, right here. Closing price on Friday was $278.73. That is a gap left open from last week. If the sellers want to emerge, they'll push the market down to fill the gap. They could have done it today. They didn't do it today. Here's an hourly chart. What they did do on Tuesday is basically run sideways. They ate time off the clock. They dipped below Monday's low just for a little while, popped back up, never closed an hour below Monday's low. That's interesting. They flirted with it. They threatened it. They never closed an hourly candle below Monday's low. That low was 3.32.15. The closest they came was this hourly close here, 3.32.18. The next candle closed above. The next candle and everyone after that closed above yesterday's low, 3.32.15. What do we know about that number it is important back to the daily chart the market is in an interesting position so we made a low a few days ago and they ran up into the convergence of moving averages they're basically not quite in the middle but they're almost in the middle of the current range what's the current range here's your high here's your low and where are we we're almost in the middle so the middle would be slightly higher maybe above the moving averages maybe filling this gap right here, I didn't do the math, but it's somewhere in this neighborhood is the middle. The market can go either way. In the middle, they can go back up to the highs. In the middle, they can fail and go back down to the lows. Either way, it's a coin toss. However, above the moving averages, that turns things slightly bullish. However, remember what we said last night, and this is always the case, this essentially right here is your breakdown area. Let me explain, the market comes down and it goes sideways for several days. It looks like it's creeping back up only to get stymied by the moving average and then all of a sudden, one day the market closes here and gaps down and never looks back. That gap down is essentially the breakdown area. So therefore, the closing price from the 16th of September this month 3.38.82, we talked about this last night. That's the gap that is an objective that the market would want to be getting to to fill that gap. Can they do it? Can they get above the moving averages? That's a mystery. If they hang around the moving averages and continue to eat time off the clock under these moving averages for another couple of days, certainly they will be building energy to make another push higher. To do what? to go fill the gap. We're calling it 339 for argument's sake. So here we go again. Again, we're in the middle. So here's a gap, and here's a gap below. Look where price is. We're dead in the middle of the two nearest gaps, one above up north, one below down south. Which way is the market going to go? We'll blame it on the debate either way. Let's go back to the hourly chart for a moment Got some questions that come in, and I want to address how you trade a bullish flaggish kind of pattern. We're gonna go over the variables that exist and what traders can and what traders should not do as a result of these bullish flaggish patterns. Before we do that, we're gonna run through the commentary from inside the numbers. You're also going to see a lot of reference to the bull flag/slash bullish flaggish pattern. Inside the numbers, that was the prevailing pattern yesterday. It was the prevailing pattern today. They flirted with the lows. We were discussing it all day long. Unfortunately, the market really didn't have any conviction one way or the other today. So you're going to find a lot of false starts throughout the commentary. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run through the commentary. I urge you to pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts, see what happened See if the information can be of value to you. In the early thoughts in the pre-market, you'll notice here we're discussing a couple of numbers. ES 3320 to 3315 zone. We have to be aware of the south side. We have to be aware of the north side. The north side, 3363 was where the market paid a visit to in the overnight futures. We're aware of the north side. We're aware of the south side. You know the routine, here's a five minute ES chart, everything to the right of the vertical is today's activity. 3320, 3315 are the two lines horizontally running across the screen. You'll notice where the low came in today, right in that zone, know thy numbers. Raise your hand if you think that information could have been helpful to you during the trading day. So we're moving right along. You'll see MKC does the deal. That was McKesson. That was one of the stocks on the move. We'll get to those later. You'll also notice nobody should be chasing UNFI. We'll also get to that later. Open below the number. I want to make sure that everybody understands what happens when stocks open below the numbers. They have a different destination in mind. Takes the trade off the table. We'll get to that one too. It's important to continue to review these issues. We have an awareness of 3.3215. We already talked about that. That was yesterday's low. That was a line in the sand on hourly closes. Moving right along. You'll see here the only area of interest that's for this trader, meaning me, was below or around yesterday's lows. If they're going to break out, they've got to get above 3.35. They'll go to 3.3575 and then some that did not happen that is still not off the table leading into wednesday certainly will have a lot to do with where the market opens up on wednesday morning do they open within the same range they've been in for a couple of days do they open below it or do they open above it that's going to obviously tell a huge tale let's get on with the notes you can pause the video go back to the charts Read them at your leisure. I urge you to do so if you're at all active in the market during the trading day. This is something that you can take advantage of each and every day. It's like a tour guide for the markets during the trading day. I'm not going to read you all the notes today. It was a pretty back and forth boring day in a chop shop formation, but you never know exactly what you're going to get. Here's a chart. And as I like to say, a picture's worth 100 words. I know it's 1,000. I like to use 100. Same deal, no change. They're in this bullish, flaggish type of range emulating from the gap up on Monday. So there's really no change. The market's been running sideways for two days. They're eating time off the clock or they're going to fail, come down and fill the gap, moving right along. And that's it. It was a... Grinding chop shop formation all day long. Frustrating type of market chops traders up. Let's take a look at stocks on the move. We had MKC, ZTO, Workhorse, and UNFI, which we discussed before. They jumped the target. We're going to take a look at these charts. We'll start with ZTO because in the notes, if you read the notes, what you saw was at least for me, ZTO was off the table at the $30.35 price. Why is that? Look at this candle here making a low of $30.38, and then it bounced away. Now it didn't bounce away a ton, it didn't go on a rocket ride, but it did it enough to where I questioned the trade. Now here's what I want traders to understand. If you think it came too close and you're not sure, then guess what? It came too close. If you're not sure about a trade don't take the trade there's always another trade coming around the corner found some support at the $30.35 level bounced up a little bit but proceeded down to the second number gave a tiny trade and at the end of the day gave up the ghost so these two numbers certainly did stop price from falling but it never gave the type of rocket ride we're interested in It was essentially a no trade. No harm, no foul. Different story on McCormick. I said McKesson before, it's McCormick. My apologies, I got the mix mixed up. And by the way, in the end, what difference does it make what company it is? There are three or four letters on a chart. All charts act and react the same way. We're looking for a quick trade. We're not looking to marry the companies. So we had two numbers on the board bright and early. 186.12 was the first one. 183.83 was the second number. They're close together. We know the routine. Painting by the numbers, we take half a position at the first number, half a position at the second number. You split the difference. Your average is in the middle, and then it goes on the rocket ride, providing the trade we signed up for. You never know which ones are going to give you the ride. You treat it as a mechanical business. What happened here, the stock made a high of 191.82. Average was right around 185. That is a bona fide trade. It's better than a base hit. Could be classified as a double. Some may classify it as a triple. Some may classify it as a rocket ride. It's a really, really great trade. It was clean. Very little heat. The low of day happened to be 183.22. We had a beat on the numbers. This one's for the newcomers also. Why do I have two numbers on the board and why do we take half a position at the first and half a position at the second? And the short answer is and the easy answer is I can make a case that both numbers, 18612 and 18383 were the destination today. We don't know which one it's going to be. If I can make an equal case that they're both destinations or possible destinations early in the morning, then we use them both. We take half a position at the first and half at the second. This only applies when the numbers are close together. I would never put numbers very far apart as entry number one and two on the board. If they're too far apart, I only put one on the board and it's a one and done. I'm doing my best to watch out for you. So if ZTO was a dud and MKC was a really great trade, sometimes we have to sift through the crap to get to the diamonds in the rough not that zto was a shit burger or crap or anything it just didn't work it was a no trade because they pulled up short right in front of the number before doing the number so be it how about unfi now here's a situation where the stock opens below the number on the board bright and early 1762 that was the number one number one and done it's either going to work or it's not So the stock opens below the number. Now I know the nature of traders. I understand how traders think. So I wanna show you something. Here's a one minute chart. The stock opened below the number. So the opening print was 1734. Immediately it's off the table, but I know traders are watching it. They're watching UNFI come back to the number. They're watching UNFI go above the number. They're thinking it was a screw job that they opened above, and now they're going to go on a rocket ride above the number. They're going to go fill the gap up above the whole nine yards. I know that's in traders' mind. So some traders, I don't know that this happened for a fact. I just know that this happened. Some traders ended up chasing UNFI. They chased it around 1762, maybe slightly above, and then what happened? Well, it's obvious what happened. You see what happened. We're back to a 15-minute chart. They were forced to eat a shit burger because the stock then collapsed. There are many reasons why once a stock opens below the number, it gets taken off the board. It's a no trade. This is a great example of why. Sometimes they do pop back over the number and sometimes it is a screw job. However, you don't know which ones and therefore when something doesn't work as advertised, when it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work, we just take it off the table and we move on. We want the trades on our terms We don't want to adjust our terms. We don't want to change the rules. The reason is because then the trades aren't ours anymore. They're somebody else's. There's one more thing that I want to discuss as it relates to the hourly chart of the S&P 500, in this case, the SPY. I started to mention before, there are many ways to trade a pattern or a chart setup like this. And I want to go over how you do it What to do, what not to do, the pitfalls on both sides. A, this is not an easy pattern to trade. Why is that? Because you had a big gap higher from the close on Friday to the opening price Monday. So if that's the case, then you're trading sideways with all this space underneath, right? So forget this little dip below here. Just the concept of all this space in between where price was trading in a channel or range, if you will, and the closing price from Friday. All that is known, or at least I like to call it white space. It's called white space because the background on my chart is white. Just that fact alone, not the white part, but the fact that there's a lot of space creates an issue. It creates risk. So if a trader was saying, okay, they're eating time off the clock to make another push higher, I'm just going to hop in the trade and wait for them to pop. Well, It can work like that, but it doesn't always work like that. So you have this move higher, and they're running sideways. So a trader hops in here, and all of a sudden, the next candle, market's trading down, and he thinks he's wrong, she thinks he's wrong. That's why we have to have a number, a line in the sand. Our line in the sand was the low from yesterday. The low was 332.15, Any close, an hourly close below that low, and this pattern would be off the table, doesn't mean the market can't go up. It's just not what it was before they closed below that number. We've seen many, many times when the market gaps up, and then it pulls back, it fills the gap, and then it goes again. We don't know whether that will or won't happen. It's just different from what we originally started talking about, which is a bullish, flaggish kind of pattern. And that's what this was a bull flag, a bullish wedge pattern. It's really a flag. As long as you trade in the upper range of where the market gapped up to, it maintains that flaggish kind of pattern. But the risk is that they can come down to fill the gap then the flag is off the table but that doesn't eliminate the fact that you took a trade where it looked like they were going to go higher it failed came down to fill the gap and you got screwed the bull flag and the bear flag patterns have the most risk because they can actually go in the other direction and not really negate the total of the pattern whether we call it a flag or we call it a wedge really doesn't matter let me pose this on you so here's a flag We have a move higher and a flag, and then we can have an ensuing move or a continuation move in the upward direction. That's fine. However, we're calling it a flag, but even at that, if we have a move higher and then we have one of these pullbacks in a wedge type of formation doesn't that normally have a resulting move or continuation move in the other direction as long as you don't close below the low of said breakup candle? We've said that over and over and over. We've shown that over and over and over. And therefore, we're aware that even these flag patterns really are essentially the same thing as a breakup candle. The market consolidates inside the breakup candle, and until they close below the low of the breakup candle, it's still the same pattern in the making. The flag pattern is slightly different, but it doesn't change the bigger picture. How do you mitigate risk? Well, one way to do that is to trade a breakout. Breakouts are not easy to trade. How do you trade the breakout in this case? In this case, what you would do is say, where's the high? So right here, and we talked about this inside the numbers, the high is 334.96. We're using 335 for argument's sake. Let's say the market got above that price, 335, closed an hour above 335. That's fine. That's a tip-off. That's not a signal to just jump on the market. You'll always have to look for the best entry you can find. Now that the market in this hypothetical situation were to get above 335, what are we looking for? Here's the deal. We're looking for it to get above 335 and come back to run a test. Close hourly above 335. You wait. Let the market trickle back. Run a test of the same place. 335. As long as they stay above it, that's okay. That's good. Running a test is bullish. As long as they stay above, they would have done the deal where they closed an hour above to give you the tip-off. They come back to run a test. Trader hops on board, takes the ride to the upside. That's probably the most efficient way to trade that kind of pattern. But here's the thing. Obviously, there's risks with that. What happens if they close an hour above 335, later on close an hour back below 335, but stay within the same range they were in Monday and Tuesday? That's trading. Welcome to the world. Welcome to the party. Life of a trader. Hopefully that little explanation helps somebody out. For now, let's move along to another market. Camp IWM flat today up nine cents that's a rounding error we're calling it flat they're centered around a big fat round number of 150 you have a gap above you have moving averages above and it's all the same market so if markets are going to go up tomorrow the IWM is going to go up the s and is going to go up the Dow is going to go up you know the routine obviously the Q's will go up along with it if they're going to fail and they're going to come down What's your safety net? The only safety net you really have in the IWM is the 100 period and 200 period moving averages below price. The other option is you have another dull or dead day and they eat some more time off the clock under the moving averages for another day or two or three. And that would be building energy from a move higher off the lows, build energy runs sideways underneath the moving averages. Why would they do that? to build energy to make another push or another move higher, a continuation move higher. To do what? To fill this gap right here over 152. No surprise, same routine, we talked about it yesterday. Now, keep in mind, the IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator. It was flat today, the S&P was down slightly, so that is relative strength to a degree. It's flat There wasn't that big of a spread between the two, so we're not going to make a federal case out of it, but it did have slight, a slight tinge of relative strength. However, we have some divergences out here. My second favorite market-leading indicator, which are the folks down at the Transportation Department, they were weak. 139 points down in the red today, well over 1%. We have to take heed in that. Came right back to test the 20-period moving average. Closed right on the 20-period moving average. There's still a gap down below. Here's a gap left open from the 25th. Closing price is 11270 They did not fill the gap today, so that is an open item. Start trading hourly below that gap, trouble. Fill the gap and take off back in the northern direction, and all they were doing is running a test, fill the gap, resume in the northern direction. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? What can we gain from information on this chart? Again, into the 20 period moving average, second day in a row, riding the 20 period moving average. Three quarters of 1% in either direction on the queues is really just a rounding error. Less than a dollar is a rounding error in the cues. They can be up or down three to five dollars on any given day. If they stay above the moving averages, then it's bullish, and they're going to be headed for 283.50. Slightly above that is the actual price. 283.58 is the number. It's an open gap. It's above price. That will ultimately get filled. Sooner or later is up to the market. It's an open gap. Above the moving averages, the Qs are bullish. They'll want to go fill that gap. What about the XLF? Little bit of a pullback down 1%, 24 cents. Do we make a federal case out of that? Well, the XLF was up the last two days. To have a pullback is a garden variety retracement. Nothing wrong with that. It's normal market behavior. That's the way the market works. The market ebbs and flows. It goes up, pulls back, goes up again, pulls back. Or in the other direction, it does the same thing. Market goes down, bounces, goes down, bounces, goes up, pulls back. It ebbs and flows. Can they come down to fill the gap left open in the XLF? Absolutely. I would expect them, if they get close, to do just that. That's the way the market works. For those in the XLF trade, we talked about it beforehand. We talked about it again yesterday. Around 24 was certainly an exit. Didn't have to exit the full position, but it's an exit. So, for example, half in the pocket, half on the table, if they continue higher and fill the gap up north into the moving averages, you get the best of both worlds. You've taken risk off the table. You have a risk-free, emotionless trade, not letting the remaining portion of the position go negative on you. That's the best of both worlds. That's how we treat this as a business. How about Smash Mouth? Anything negative here? Not really. They're above the moving averages. They're getting above the breakdown area. What do I mean by that? Well, let's draw it out. So the market cracked, okay? It came down and it tried to rally back and then it broke down again. So right here is considered our breakdown area. We're back to that area, peaking above that area. You get above that area and they get back to, and they're really there right now, the trend is your friend until it's not. Keep in mind, still above all the moving averages on the SMH daily chart. Nothing wrong with the SMH when that's the case. Nothing wrong with anything when that's the case. The SMH is a pretty good proxy for the tech space as a whole. Not a lot of trouble across the tech space today. We can say that Tuesday partially digested the big up move from Monday. Nothing wrong with saying that. That is also normal garden variety market behavior. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. It's everything that I wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.